0: Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks for Thursday, April 16th, 2020. Looking at the calendar to make sure I'm right. I don't know what day it is anymore. Jay Zawoski with you here. Thanks for tuning in to Lockdown Blackhawks. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I got a special guest on this show and tomorrow's show. It is the Athletics' Mark Lazarus. That interview coming up soon. But first, I want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast. Voicemail, 708-653-0572. Email lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com, Twitter at L O underscore Blackhawks, my personal account at Jayzawaski670, and the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, my other Hawks podcast, my original hawks podcast. New episode of that, by the way, dropped on Wednesday afternoon. Check that out. Totally different content from Lockdown Blackhawks. That is at Madhouse Pod on Twitter. I want to get right to this interview with Mark Lazarus. Mark Lazarus of The Athletic, thanks for joining me here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Appreciate you taking some time out of your very busy night of Lockdown and watching Netflix and uh Lego what is it, Lego Masters you were watching? All the kids love Lego Masters. I'm very <laughs> excited for Tyler and Amy. I, I started watching one of them and uh it just was it was making my mind explode because like, wow, how can they even Get themselves. I have to no idea level. how they do it. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. We've been uh, my wife and I, as most people uh, middle aged do, we, we've been playing rummy uh, a lot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's what we... wow. You are old. Yeah, we start playing bri- bridge, bridge and backgammon.
0: <laughs> I know that's that's what's coming. That's what's coming next. But uh, yeah, <laughs> truly feeling very very old playing rummy every night. But it's I just can't look at a screen anymore. I'm just you know, Ugh. anyway.
1: Well, the thing is, I I I spend all day with the kids. You know, my wife has like a real job. <laughs> so she has to work from home like all day. And so I basically have the kids with me all the time and I have to work. I have to like, you know, answer emails and Slacks and send out texts and write here and there. And it's, but it, it, it's mostly just, you know, corralling the kids and, you know, the eight-year-old, she can just kind of do her thing in her e-learning. But the four-year-old, my God, that's a full-time job.
0: Yeah, we are. Um, I, I think about this a lot. Like I have an only child, which is a handful we i shouldn't say we have an only child like we adopted an only child i have one child and <laughs> so, sometimes i feel like would it be easier with two so they'd be able to dis- sometimes like distract yeah, just each other you
1: just throw them in the basement and give them a bunch of legos or magnetiles and let them go but sometimes yeah you know you, you just can't get a break oh my god
0: yeah now it's just she just is constantly wanting our attention anyway she's great we love her happy <laughs> she's here um so So much (laughs) so much uh but to get to to get to hockey here uh today on the laz and powers podcast uh, check that out obviously wherever you get your podcasts you guys had steve larmer on the show i have not had a chance to listen to it i too have a somewhat normal job at the score um, and i've been super busy today tell us what steve larmer had to say don't give it all away because i want people to listen to the podcast but that's a huge get and I know he's been on people's minds as we're sort of doing the off-season topics now. And every year, the topic of should Steve Larmer's number be retired comes up. I'm sure you got into that with him as well.
1: Yeah, I don't know how the hell you're doing multiple podcasts a week on the Blackhawks when there's no hockey whatsoever. So we're uh, <laughs> we're we're going into hey, let's have guests on. Well. Uh, which is a good way of doing it but he was really good I I, I love talking with these guys about the old days Like my, one of my favorite things to do at like a game is sit there in the first intermission and just BS with like Troy Murray and have him tell me hilarious stories about what it was like to be a pro hockey player in the 80s because it's like a completely different planet than I live on um, and so it was great with Steve Larmer too you know we talked about what it was like to be a teammate of Dennis Savard but it was you know how his whole breakup with the Blackhawks happened and his his, his streak what it was like to play at the, uh, at the Chicago Stadium he talked about you know going in there and 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 he had to shake out the cockroaches from his his gear every day when uh-huh. he got to the arena you know things like that i just i just love talking about the old times with these guys cuz you know hockey is so so sterile and staid and kind of mechanical and you know just it's it's kind of bland now uh, that it, it, I, I love talking to people like Bob Verdi and Herb Gould about what it was like to cover these guys, and it's, it's it's especially fun to hear the player side of things.
0: You're right about that. How it is a little bit dry now, and and I think anyone who played in the stadium for any extended period of time has interesting stories. But I think that era, like the Larmer Savard into the Ronick Chelios era, is the coolest era of Blackhawks hockey. Like those guys were rock stars. The era of hockey was really popular. It was like rock and roll. It was violent. It was fast. There were it was <laughs> hair everywhere. It was like a motley crew on ice, almost that era of hockey. And I think the Blackhawks really embodied that. See, I wonder if that's
1: really true or not. You and I are roughly the same age. I think I just turned forty, and it's. I think we think of it that way because when we were kids, it was like, "Oh my God!" Probably. You go and watch a game from the nineteen eighties. It's not that great. the The quality <laughs> of hockey. These guys are like they're like skating through quicksand. They're so other than like a few standouts like a Savard or a Gretzky or a or Alarmor, Some of these guys can barely move. There was you know every fourth line was just hot garbage. Like there was fights all the time and dirty play and clutching and grabbing. I'm telling you, hockey's never been better than it is now. And you know, I'm one of those people that says like the worst player in the NHL right now would probably be the best player in the 1950s uh, if you just were able to transport it back. So I'm not sure that's true. I think that might be our nostalgia because I look at the you know Dennis Potvin and Brian Trottier as an Islanders fan growing up the same way. But I don't know that the hockey was actually any cooler or any better than it is oh, now.
0: You're so right about the clutching and grabbing aspect of it, where there was just no flow to the games. And you know, mid 90s it was really at its worst. When like when Dallas was really good and Buffalo were good, it was just Jersey. Oh, just slogging, boring. Yes. New Jersey, especially just boring ass hockey. But anyway, back to Steve Larmer, Um, a guy who after his retirement has sort of become a little more of a personality, been more outspoken. I think part of that is wanting to get in the Hall of Fame, wanting to get the recognition by the Blackhawks. How You know, I always think of, and I'm not saying Steve Larmer's at this level, but Ron Santo towards the end sort of changed his personality knowing he'd have to be a little more gregarious and a little smileier almost to get into the Hall of Fame. Uh-huh. Do you think there's a little bit of that going on with Larmer?
1: it's hard to say because i didn't know what he was like beforehand you know i didn't grow up watching him or listening to him and i never interviewed him until his uh, last shift a couple of years ago mm-hmm. or one more shift excuse me not last shift and uh he he downplays all that he says he doesn't worry about the jersey retirement and the hall of fame and stuff he's he's secure in what he was what he was able to accomplish in his career i'm sure he'd like it he'd love the, you know he, he the, the, the 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 extra shift was a, was a big deal to him and getting that recognition is always nice but i don't think he's out there politicking for it i don't think he cares that much and, and i mean that in the best way possible
0: yeah that that's that's sort of the dignified way to do it like hey i know i was great i don't need this recognition telling me i was great i know how good i was you look at the numbers you see how good i was so it's kind of a graceful way to do it and i you do gotta
1: think, you he retired at like 34 years old. So I, I mean, he didn't really get to pad his stats very much. So his stats are kind of truncated. It's you know, he's just got to 1000. He's got just more than a point a game. So his numbers are spectacular, but it's not like he's got 1400 points out there either. So it's, you know, he's one of those guys where if you didn't watch him play, you might not have realized how good he was. And he's he's on the list of guys that should be in the Hall of Fame, but he's not even the top Blackhawks guy who should be in the Hall of Fame when I mean, you start with Doug
0: Wilson there. That's for sure. Doug Wilson is such an underrated. And when I was writing my book that's coming out this fall, uh, like you mentioned, growing up, these guys were. Yeah, thank you. Your book is out as well. If people want to order that also on (laughs) Triumph books. Um, But like as, as a kid, I watched Doug Wilson and there's a guy with a really hard shot and he's not wearing a helmet. That was my recollection. Then when you go and dig into the numbers and see how great of a player Doug Wilson is, it's baffling. Is to how, yeah. and and you add on to Doug Wilson, the whole one of the best GMs in hockey for a really long time thing. And it's like, how has that not happened yet? With, with both things yeah, considered. A,
1: you need like a veterans committee just to, sh- to fast track them already, you know?
0: It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am talking to Mark Lazarus from The Athletic. Mark, the reason I had you on primarily is The Athletic, as you guys always do, I swear to God, I should be on the payroll of the Athletic just for how much I promote it because I, I genuinely feel like you guys put out the best content all the time. And I I yell at people for not subscribing to the Athletic because it's so great. Uh, you put out your. I found
1: that not to be a good business model, yelling at people to subscribe. <laughs> but I appreciate the plugging.
0: I learned it from Dan Bernstein. Just scream at people until you <laughs> <laughs> until you make six figures, and that's the way through. Um, but you did a Blackhawks fan survey which I thought was awesome. And there were some really interesting results in there. Uh, The first question, this is one I really struggled to answer. The question was, are the Blackhawks on the right track? And, you know, uh, 30, I don't have the exact percentages here, but 30 some percent said yes. And 60 some percent said no. And I could see why people would say that. But when you look at Doc and Boquist, Some of the young defensemen like Carlson and Bodan, yes, they played a handful of games at the end of the year. But Brinkett and Strom and Kubelik coming up, I know that it it seems like there's no shot for these guys, but I think over the last year, there's been a lot of things to feel good about. I don't know. I feel like they sort of are on the right track.
1: Look at it this way. I mean, 37. I got the exact numbers here. 37.76% of the people said yes. This is a team that hasn't won a playoff series in five years and hasn't made the playoffs in three years. That's a pretty high number considering those factors where they seem to be running in place. They're not getting better. You know, they're really not improving much. They're just kind of, like I said, running in place. So I think there is some optimism in there. But you also have to realize just how high the bar has been raised by the fan base here. You know, and that's great. You want your fans to demand something because that means that you accomplish accomplished something. But this team hasn't done jack squat in five years. So to only have 62% say that they're not on the right track, I think you have to take that almost as a win if you're the Blackhawks.
0: That's fair, but I do think for the first time in a long time, you can truly look at the young depth of this team and say, okay, I see, I see what the plan is going forward. And while there's still unanswered questions about Brent Seabrook, you don't know who the goalie is going to be next year. You're not really positive of the cap situation for a lot of reasons, but there's a lot of good young talent coming up, and I think the way Doc came on towards end, Jan- and that's what's so frustrating about this season. Well, one of the many things that's frustrating about the season ending when it did was you were finally starting to see Doc become a factor every game, you know, and, and it, that that whole development thing gets paused. But there's a good young defensive group here on the team, and of course we don't know how good they're going to be. We don't know how good Ian Mitchell's going to be. But for the first time I can see – four or five years down the road with guys on this team being major contributors. And I haven't seen that even when Yokohari was here. I liked Yokohari, but I didn't see him as a star type of player or a potential all-star type of player. I'm seeing that with a lot of these young players on this team.
1: I agree with you. I, I think that the future is pretty bright, but the question is, if it's going to take four or five years for those guys to become stars, what are Kane, Taves, Keith, and Siebert going to look like in four or five years?
0: Well, see, that's the thing. That's
1: that's that's what concerns people is trying to get those two windows to line up.
0: Well, and I wanted to, this has been a big topic on our podcast because there's not a ton else to talk about, but the importance of Dylan Strome. I think there's a there's a portion of the Blackhawks fan base, and maybe they're the vocal minority that seem pretty happy to just let Dylan Strome go and re-sign Kubelik but if you've got Doc and Strom you know Strom just turned 23 if you have those guys develop for the next three four years as Jonathan Taves starts to fade and that contract runs out if you have those guys ready to take on the number one and two roles by then hey I mean chances are they're not gonna be as great as Jonathan Taves was but could they be 60, 70 point guys by then? I think so.
1: Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, we used to always talk about, you know, we, we thought there'd be a few more years of Marion host. And we, we used to say, like, wow, he's going to be the greatest third line winger in NHL history his last <laughs> few years. Right. And that's what you want Jonathan Taves to be. You want him to be just a ridiculous third line center because you want Doc and Strom to be your one, too. That's that's the long game. Your people who want Strom gone, they, they're 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 just they're. I don't know they're dumb I mean he's (laughs) he's not going to be that expensive next year because he didn't produce a ton this year because he spent half the year on the wing where he doesn't belong Mm, yeah so uh, he can be had at a manageable cap if you get him for three years at three three and a half million you'd be you'd be I mean I I, look I know there's going to be a serious cap crunch because of the the cap's going to be flat or it goes down whatever it's going to be I understand that but Strom he's 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 every bit of the priority that Kubelik is to me
0: let me ask you this, and I know it's it's a hypothetical, and you probably it's probably not a question that needs to be answered. But if you have to choose one of those two, who do you pick?
1: Strom or Boy, I don't know. 30, 30 goal scorers don't grow on trees, and Strom's never going to be a 30 goal scorer. Yeah. Um, if you have to pick, I don't know. Centers are more valuable than wings. Goals are more valuable than assists. Shh. Uh, <laughs> yeah i don't know man that's a tough decision i'm I, this is why i'm not a gm i get to just you watch the decision get made and then criticize it from the sidelines it's way easier and less stressful
0: you're right about 30 goals not growing on trees but how sustainable is a 20 percent shooting percentage that's what troop has of course i'm the guy and i've worn this for years that called artemi panarin a one-trick pony
1: because i thought mm-hmm. all
0: he could do was score on one-timers and there was evidence of that leave me alone but he's a and, well. Don't forget,
1: Kubalik <laughs> was playing twelve minutes a night for half the season and wasn't in a top line role either. Um, and, and he didn't get to finish his season. There's gonna be like sixteen games left or whatever it is on the schedule, and he still got to thirty goals. Uh, he's pretty good.
0: All right, let's be good. Sign them both. <laughs> sign them both. There, it's decided. Sign them both. Um, yeah, I, I, th- that to me, that. me I, I'm glad they. I, I'm optimistic about the number you said. Three to three and a half for Strom sounds really, really reasonable. I was thinking maybe four, four and a half. But if they can get him for under four, you take that and run.
1: I think you do. And I think Strong, he really likes it in Chicago. He really likes having to it on his team, on his line. Uh, he had a bad experience in Arizona, a bad experience. And now he's had a good experience. I don't know if he wants to risk having another bad one. So I think you can get him at that.
0: All right. The next one I wanted to talk about a little bit on the poll. And the article I'm looking at does not have the percentages. So I'll I'll, I'll ask you to fill them in. Uh, this is, how confident are you in Stan Bowman as Blackhawks GM?
1: <laughs> that was the the money question, obviously, the one that everybody wanted to answer. Uh, it came out, this is on a scale of one to five, five being the most confident. Five got 2.38%. This is a three-time Stanley Cup winning GM. Four got <laughs> 8.71%. Three got 25%. Two got 35%. And one got 28%. So the confidence is not high among the fan base.
0: Yes, and I this think... Is,
1: this is this is over 2,000 people voted. This is a better representative sample than Gallup gets in its presidential poll, so these are good numbers.
0: Well, that's this is a sentiment I've heard all year. Um, I was a longtime Stan Bowman defender. I took some heat for it, even though I said exactly what you did. The guys won three Stanley Cups, and yeah, you've got to give some credit to Dale Talon and also to Mike Smith for the guys they drafted that got them to this point, but maintaining three stanley cup teams is is very very difficult however and you and i have sort of i wouldn't spar is too too strong of a word but we've discussed this before to me i think the brent seabrook deal was sort of the beginning of stan bowman's slippage as a gm
1: oh no question and that's the worst that's the worst deal he'll ever so he'll ever make in his career
0: yeah and i i know there's been a lot of nice moves sort of under the radar things that he's made, like all the international signings you can talk about and give him full credit for those because they've been really, really good from Panarin, of course, the best, Kubelik, um, David Camp, Dominic Cahoon, all these guys that he's brought in on these on these uh, you know European deals or whatever you want to call them, they've been great, but the big investments haven't worked out. And I look at what he did this year, trading for Andrew Shaw, trading for Calvin DeHaan, and – There was a point in this season where Calvin DeHaan was the Hawks' best defenseman. I don't think there was much question about it. But both guys were damaged goods. Both guys were out for the year. And those are failures. And it's sort of – I don't want to compare it too much to, you know, Gar Foreman and John Paxson seemingly like – and I know this just changed, but for a long time it felt like they just have a job as long as they wanted to simply because, because of loyalty. While I don't know who a better – gm would be than stan bowman at this point at what point is there is there accountability right you know he fired quenville brought in Calton. that hasn't worked out when does stan bowman or someone pay the price for the failures that have been you said they haven't done jack in five years if it's truly air quotes one goal then what are they waiting for why are they waiting to make a move at gm
1: No, you could absolutely justify firing Stan Bowman. I don't think that anyone would bat an eyelash if you fired Stan Bowman. I think you can justify keeping him, too. Uh, like you said, the, the 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 drafting has been impeccable and a lot of that goes to Mark Kelly. The European scouting has been fantastic. A lot of that goes to the European staff, but Stan oversees all that. He, he's the ultimate arbiter there. He's the guy who does the final bit of recruiting for the European guys. He makes the ultimate call with Mark Kelly's picks. Um, he deserves credit for things like that. He's done a lot of good things over the years. The 2013 and 2015 Cups have his fingerprints all over them. You know, how much, how many of us laughed when he, acquired Michael Hanzo's in 2013. That worked out pretty great. Um, he's done a lot of good. And he's made a lot of bad decisions too. You can, yeah, I'm so ambivalent toward this. I don't have a good, I, I wish I had like a hot take here, but I just, I see both sides of it. I see absolutely why so many fans want him out. And I also see why you would keep him. He's done a lot of good. He's built a, a, a good organization. Uh, the, the Hawks are really high on loyalty, perhaps to a fault. I don't think there's any uh, problem saying that. Uh, but also, like you said, who's the next guy? Who's the, it, 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 I, I can't profess to know every up-and-coming assistant GM, but it's not like you're going to get a uh, – You know, Julian Breesbaugh was that guy while Eiserman was in Tampa. Well, then Iserman left and Breesbaugh not going to leave Tampa for Chicago. So I don't know if there's like an obvious choice. Right. You know, you could say, well, from a coaching standpoint, well, LaViolette's out there, Gallant's out there, Broudreau's out there. Who's out there as a GM? I don't know that there's a better option out there. So I'm just i just so ambivalent about this. I I don't have a strong feeling. I know the fan base has its opinion, and they're entitled to it. They spend a lot of money on this team. But I don't see an easy solution here, no matter what you do. And the Blackhawks, if history is any indication, they're always going to err on the side of loyalty.
0: More on Stan Bowman from Mark Lazarus in one minute on Lockdown Blackhawks. My guest on Lockdown Blackhawks is Mark Lazarus of The Athletic. We were just talking about Stan Bowman's future with the team and the fans' confidence in Bowman as GM. And I think, and I've said this a couple times uh, over the last couple months, my true feeling is that if Bowman is, air quotes, I, I've done that twice today, I'm really sorry about the air quotes thing. You uh, if, if know we can't see right? If he's, this is a podcast. I know, I usually do. I usually make the sound but you don't know that sound. Um, <laughs> but if he's let go or relieved of his duties, it's going to be, he'll probably be elevated to some other advisor or whatever they want to call it. Cause because of the organizational loyalty and just someone like Al McIsaac, it's going to just bump up and it's not truly going to be a different thing. I think here's part of the reason I think that it would make sense to move Bowman, to fire Bowman rather would be I would like to see a GM come in here that's not part of the organization and look at this thing without yeah. the affection for the guys that won the Stanley Cups here and take a good hard look at what Keith has left what Taves has left I mean Kane he <laughs> he seems to get better every year so you can probably remove him from the conversation but I want someone to come in here and look at it seriously and not say, like, you know what, Brent Seabrook, it's probably better for us to not have you. But you're Brent Seabrook, and you won the three Stanley Cups. I want somebody to come in here heartlessly and evaluate this team. And I don't know if no, Stan agree, Bowman no, or if anyone... If you're going to fire yeah.
1: Bowman, promoting from within is dumb. Yes, I mean, If you're going to fire Keep Bowman, it. it's because you want complete, fresh perspective on things.
0: And I wonder if that's even possible with Rocky and with McDonough, too. So it almost, like yeah. you're saying, okay... I see the point in firing it, like why people would want it done. And I sort of do too, but I need it to be this ideal scenario where it's an outsider who's not loyal, blah, 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 blah. And chances are that's not going to happen.
1: And I don't know who the hell that guy is. So like I said, I'm just, I, I, I'm i just so vanilla on this topic because I just <laughs> don't have a good, strong feeling either way. I could totally justify both sides of it.
0: Speaking about speaking of things, we don't have a good feeling, a good solid feeling on, Jeremy Cowden as head coach. The yeah. next poll question, how confident are you? And Jeremy Cowden as Blackhawks coach.
1: Yeah, the the, the numbers were similar here uh, that they were for uh, – it was mostly ones, twos, and threes. I think it was 1.6% was uh, were a 5, 6% were a 4, uh, 25, 34, and 31 at three, two, one. So one uh, and, and again – I don't know what, what the Blackhawks have in Jeremy Calden. There's been so many mitigating factors, and I hate making excuses, but the fact is he got thrown into it midseason last year, mm-hmm. and Horrible that situation. didn't work out well. He got put in just an impossible position last year, and it started out horribly. Um, and then this year, he lost like three of his key players to season-ending injuries. And now you can blame that on Stan Bowman, but at the same time, you know, I don't know what the Blackhawks would have looked like at full strength. And both seasons, they got considerably better as the season went on. So I do not know. The third season is going to be the telling one for Jeremy Colleton.
0: Well, like like you said, put in an impossible situation, re- replacing Joel Quenville, not only that, entering a locker room with huge personalities in it, and I say egos not critically, but truly a room full of you need egos to win three Stanley Cups. Sure. That's a fact right to bring him in there was a tough sell from the beginning for those guys I don't know how much he's won over the players or not it sort of depends on who you talk to whether or not the players have bought into Jeremy Cowden or not I don't know if he's a bad coach I don't think he's there's certain things he does where I'm like well that's not great like I don't love the man-to-man system I would like to see Dylan Strom at center instead of wing but entering the season my questions for Calhoun were, is he going to let the better players play, right? If a young guy comes up and outperforms a veteran, will the young guy play? The answer to that question is yes. Brent Seabrook was scratched in favor of younger players. Like he did all the things I wanted him to do, but I really, I don't have much of a feeling for him as a coach. And part of me feels like if he was the coach of team X, I'd probably feel better about him. I just don't know. And I still don't know, and no one really seems to know, how it's working for him on this particular team, on this roster with these guys. Has he garnered the respect of the team yet? And that's, an, that's a question I still can't really answer with any confidence.
1: Well, I mean, it's important to remember there's only three or four of those guys that you're talking about left. There's not a whole lot of these like you know superstar veterans hanging around. This is a young team full of kids, and that's Collin's sweet spot is working with younger players because he's you know he's, he's approachable. He's very communicative. Uh, he he doesn't leave you and you know wondering what's going on. He tells you exactly what why you're sitting and what you need to do better. Uh, the young players like him a lot. Uh, the veterans, I, I think they. You know, there's always going to you're going to have when Jonathan Taves pointed out the seven defenseman thing didn't work in November, whatever it was. And, you know, there, there seems to be a little bit more willing to maybe undercut him a little bit than there was with Quenville. But that's just because it was Joel freaking Quenville. Uh, there's always some friction between players and coach. I don't get the sense that this team won't play for Jeremy Colleton. You look at how hard this team works. The one th- thing this team doesn't have a whole lot of identity. We don't know what they are exactly, but they work their asses off. They fight and fight and fight. They claw back. They get out. They get completely outmatched in the game, but somehow they pull out a point. This is a team that plays really, really hard. And if you're going to give Jeremy Carlton shit for all the things that you, that he does that you don't like, and that's perfectly warranted, you have to give him credit for that too. That's a that's a mood that the coach in theory sets, and you, you don't have players lying down and rolling over for this guy. They're they're working hard for him. Uh is he the right coach? Is this system ever going to are we ever going to see the system? This is we have not seen Jeremy <laughs> Collins' system in 2 years, not to its maximized effect because of a lot of factors. One was it wasn't working very well. Uh, I don't know, but y- y- the team certainly respects him. They're not out there trying to cost the guy his job. And we've ne- we've never seen that from this team. I don't think that's an issue at all. Um so the respect is there. Is he the right coach? I don't know. I think we need to see this third season and I hate I hate saying that you can just wash the next two seasons aside but I mean, the team improved steadily both seasons. Young players have developed at a good clip under him. There's a lot to like. The power play sucked ass. You know what? The power play sucked ass under Joel Quenville, too, most of the time. So I don't know what to make of that. There's a lot of things to like. There's a lot of things to be skeptical about. I think that this is a proven year for him. If they're mediocre again next year, how do you justify a fourth year? This is a make-or-break year for him.
0: There's no doubt about that. And and the other thing is, if you do, after next season— Decide to fire Jeremy Cowton How do you then say, "Okay, Stan, try again"? After letting him fire <laughs> yeah. one of the best yeah. coaches in the history of the game, a guy who won, we'll say it again, three Stanley Cups here. in My opinion should have been four. Um, you know, how do you let Bowman fire Quenneville? Wait, oh, wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. Explain that.
0: That's it. I, I I still get hangups about some of the guys he chose to play, uh, in twenty fourteen. Like Brandon Bollig instead of more. It doesn't matter. It's just me being. <laughs> it's it's the it's look, I, I you Dude, know, they lost
1: my one overtime goal against a. I I know. Awesome I know. Just, let, let, let it <laughs> go. And they got three cups in six years. Let it go. I
0: know but it could have been four. That's all. I'm just saying. No, it, just let me, you know, you, you know me. I'm in this weird, like limbo of media fan guy. And it's up all... in
1: 2014. They don't win it in 2015. I'll just say that. It's
0: probably true. Uh, for a long time, I tried to deny my fandom, and I, I can't. Everybody knows I'm a Hawks fan, and that's sort of how you're I joking. stumbled into this thing. So I don't, I don't, I don't tr- try okay, to hide it. You're allowed to be um, What was I saying? Oh yeah. So how do you let Bowman make another hire if you fire Q, no, and you and and his replacement doesn't work out? You're kind of out of luck, right?
1: I look at it this way. If they're bad enough next year to fire Jeremy Collison, then they're going to fire Stan Bowman also. It's going to be a total cleaning of the house. Absolutely. I, I don't think, I, 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 you know, if I had a you know, gun against my head, I'd probably say it doesn't happen. Either of them. I think they're going to be okay. And if they're just okay, they probably keep limping along. But if they're bad enough to fire the coach, they're going to have to fire the GM too. It, it would just be, you know, you got your chance. You hired your guy. Joel wasn't your guy. This is your guy. And it hasn't worked out. And you haven't made the playoffs in four years now and you haven't won a playoff series in six years now i think there would be a cleaning house if if, if 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 they fall on their face next year i think that cleaning house that people are begging for will finally come
0: that is part one of my interview with mark lazarus of the athletic thank you so much for tuning in part two coming to you on friday morning you're not going to want to miss that some really good stuff it already happened see i recorded them both on wednesday night so i know i can guarantee you the second half of the mark lazarus interview is really, really good. And you're not going to want to miss it. So thanks for listening to this one. Thanks for listening to Locked On Blackhawks. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now that you've listened to this Locked On Podcast, ask your smart speaker to listen to the latest episode of Locked On NHL. Have a tremendous Thursday. We will talk to you on Friday morning here on Locked On Blackhawks.